0: Ah oh, man. Sorry about that everybody. I was had a little bit of a late start tonight. I got uh got the little lady. She was uh you know, kinda hinting around she wanted to go with some pussy. so I was like, Yeah, all right, I guess we're doing the show late <laughs> So yeah, my uh my lady she was uh like, Hey, you know, what are you doing tonight? And I says, Well, I was gonna do the show and she's like, Well, maybe you wanna you know hold off on that a little bit and you know she to be to be fair she's a championship level cocksucker you know so y'all understand (laughs) so anyway well good evening everybody uh got a couple of bits of uh fun topics for today uh first one was uh that comedy club that i was talking about in recent years recent years recent uh, months looks like it's probably gonna happen um i've got a uh a couple of spies, so to speak, that I send off to the comedy club, I uh, know some people there locally, it's cross country, and so I uh, sent some people that I know there locally, send them a couple of bucks, and said, hey, go have an evening out on me, and uh, sure shit, they came back, they said, hey, the place is clean, the comics were funny, the, the you know, decent amount of, uh, you know, kind of a bang for your buck, um, you know, all that kind of fun shit, so I was like, alright, well, fuck yeah, man, this is great, you know. So it looks like it's probably going to end up happening. I'm still waiting for, you know, financing and all that kind of bullshit. (coughs) Excuse me. And so I ended up, uh, you know, getting more and more encouraged that this is, you know, likely going to happen. So then, of course, today I uh, went and got my uh, second COVID shot. Uh, It's a Pfizer one. And, of course, you know, they had a million questions when I told them, hey, listen, I got sick after my boy got you know, COVID variant. So they were like, okay, when was it? What date? Blah, 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 blah. It was an in and out thing, though. I mean, it was at a fucking Walmart for all, for, you know, Christ's sake. I was just so fucking weirded out by that. I mean, it's just, you know, walked into a Walmart and he's like, you want a COVID shot? like, fuck yeah, I guess. Sure. Why not, you know? So now that the pandemic is pretty much over, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still pockets and shit like that. But, uh, you know, having there being. Uh, an, an end in sight is, cause it's kind of nice to see, you know, and I'm kind of the notion that um, I want to, um, you know, kind of put us all behind us, you know, I want to kind of erase it from the memory of, uh, of my boy, he's five, so, you know, of course, he may, he may remember little bits in here and there, you know, because I remember some things, like, when I was five, in fact, you'll he, love this, and it actually has to do with face masks, so, on... May 8th, May 18th, 1980. I was living in Vancouver, Washington, uh, which is right on the border with uh, Portland, Oregon. And on that day, Mount St. Helens blew up. Now, from most parts of the city, you can see the mountain. Now, to be fair, it's you know dozens and dozens of miles away. It's it's pretty far, but <coughs> excuse me, but the. Uh, you know, I was riding my bike, and, you know, all of a sudden I just saw this plume of fucking uh, ash coming out of this this uh, thing. And, uh, you know, sure as shit, I was like, oh, what what the fuck is this, right? And they had been warning about it for, you know, months and months and months. And there were people who were saying, yeah, you know, it's nothing, you know, don't worry about it, it's not going to happen, it's bullshit. In fact, there was a guy who lived um, right at the base of the mountain uh, at this place called Spirit Lake. It's kind of nearby. Uh, name was Harry Truman. He was an old, old, old dude. And he was like, I was born here. I'm not fucking moving and blah, 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 blah. And he got hit with a tsunami of ash and lava and mud and all this stuff. He's under like 500 feet of fucking dirt right now. He's, he, it killed him instantly. So fast forward, we had a huge amount of this volcanic ash that fell onto the city uh, and, and everywhere, really. Um, and when that fell, people really didn't know what to do. Um, there were some people who were like, "Hey, listen, if you're going to go outside, you need to wear a mask." Blah blah blah. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, when they were doing that, um, they you know they kept saying, "You know, hey, you got to wear a mask, got to wear a mask." And my mother was very very militant about that. You will wear a mask. Blah blah blah. So there were people this is when carb, carbureted uh, cars were still around. you know this was long you know fuel injection was around, but it wasn't quite nearly as much as it was. And uh, people it was the ash was fine enough that it was ruining engines because it gets sucked in the air intake and just completely ruined the fucking engine. So um, you know I'm, I'm five, almost six, and you know getting a kid to wear a mask when he goes outside to play just isn't fucking happening now. Let me preface this. This is in 1980. This is 41 years ago, right? In fact, we're coming up on the anniversary of it. And you got to understand that this is a very different time. So I got on my bike and I rode to a neighborhood school that was literally like two and a half miles away at the age of six. Now, I know a lot of you are parents right now are going, Are you out of your fucking mind? I would never let my kid do that very different time so kids would get on their bikes and they would just ride around the city sometimes you wouldn't know where your kid was for until he decided to come home um so you know yeah i mean we were really really independent then so fast forward i have my little best friend joey uh from kindergarten and i go over to the neighborhood school and i'm riding around on my bike and joey says hey you know let's go to my house and we'll play games and you know do dumb five-year-old shit and so I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I didn't tell my mother. And all of a sudden, um, we're, we're playing. We're doing all our fun things. And I kind of look in, And I'm like, well, you know, it's probably time for me to go. And I leave. And I'm riding back towards the house. And I have never seen a fucking more intense look on a parent's face. And this is one of the times where my father was actually on top of things my father was normally like a drug addict fucking just piece of shit but apparently he came home talked to mom said where's the boy oh he's over at the school hey why don't you go check on him so he drove over he's like okay i'll just pick him up you know do whatever toss his bike in the trunk of the car or whatever and he drove by and i wasn't there and so my mother um was beside herself like where the fuck is he And so, naturally, every mother in America goes through that. Oh, my God, you know, my kid's kidnapped and he's getting beheaded or, you know, shoved into a van or whatever. So, my dad and uh, a couple of his friends and my dog. And I had a, uh, not Rottweiler, a Doberman Pinscher. His name was Rocky. And this was probably one of the smartest dogs I've ever seen before or since. My dad looked at the dog and went, where's the boy, Rocky? Rocky. And that dog took off like a fucking shot and beelined it right to where I was at. Through the ash, through everything. And as I round the corner, I see my dad, his friends, and the dog. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because <laughs> I didn't have my mask on either. So my dad goes, listen, put your fucking mask on. Your mother is beside herself. You need to fucking get home now. I get home, and I got the mother load of an ass weapon. What the fuck are you doing? You don't leave. If you tell us you're going somewhere, you don't fucking go anywhere. But blah 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 blah. <coughs> so anyway, there was there was all of that. So that uh, just kind of reminded me of the whole whole masks thing, you know. And, and you know we're kind of having the same arguments then that we're having now, you know. Uh, the Difference is that this is kind of invisible you know when you walked into somebody's house they didn't have volcanic ash in their house so it's kind of like okay i don't need to wear my mask in here whereas this was more invisible you know so in the meantime i was uh flipping through the news and i saw um somebody was talking about there's some state legislatures wanting to ban transgender athletes from competing in their chosen genders um uh sport so in other words a girl decides she wants to become a boy, then she's going to go into boy sports, and boy decides to become a girl, He's going to go into girl sports. And one thing I've noticed about this, and I actually believe, you know, I, I really do think that banning that is probably a good idea, and here's why. Not necessarily saying that it's a discrimination thing, not saying that they're bad people, not saying that they don't deserve the same rights, they deserve the same rights, they deserve to be left alone, they deserve... You know, find happiness, whatever. You want to cut your dick off, cut your dick off. It's not going to hurt my fucking feelings, all right? But you look at me and, you know, I'm a decently sized guy, right? If all of a sudden I decide I want to be a girl, I've got 40 plus years of testosterone and just male, you know, size and strength and... You know, muscle fiber and all the little things that come along with being a guy. You know, I'm just naturally—most guys are naturally stronger than women. So when you see a guy decide, "Hey, I'm gonna be a girl now," people are kind of like, "Well, wait a fuck a minute here." Um, you know, you—you've had an advantage forever. You know, it's basic biology. You know, hold on one second here. I mean, uh sorry about that. I had a coughing fit. <laughs> So you have these people who, who are transgendered and they want to compete, you know, in women's, you know, in women's sports. So there's, there's a good example. There was a, an MMA fighter, and I forget their name, uh, but basically it was a guy who wanted to be a girl and went into MMA and just proceeded to walk through people. It wasn't even close. And I'm looking at this going, you're not a biological woman. So if you're not a biological woman and you were a biological man up until recently, you've got all this other stuff going on in your body just naturally that makes you bigger, stronger, and faster. I'll give you an example. I go to a powerlifting gym. The people that run the powerlifting gym, they're in phenomenal shape. Phenomenal shape. And the guy, he has a full-time job. Um, They kind of do this as a side thing. they are actually growing pretty well and you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, you know, I'm not sure if they want to be affiliated with me, I'd, I'd mention their name on here. They're, they're great, great people. Um, the girl, the, his wife, she is a powerlifting woman, right? She has no body fat on her. She's a very nice woman, very strong for a woman. But there are lifts that I can absolutely beat her in, a lot of lifts, just because I'm naturally bigger than her. So now all of a sudden, if I decide I'm going to become a woman, I can walk in to the same event that she competes in, because she does compete, and completely dominate the field. And I haven't done any kind of formal powerlifting training. I haven't competed. I haven't done any of those things. So for somebody to say, you know, I'd really like to to be a girl and, you know, I'd really like to just dominate a sport. It just doesn't feel fair. It doesn't feel fair to the women either, you know. Uh, In fact, South Park's got a great fucking episode on this. They have a... The PC principal, if you watch the show, PC principal and his girlfriend, um, she's in this little triathlete bullshit thing. And all of a sudden, they go, Hey, we got a transgender athlete who's going to join us. And you gotta watch it, it's up on YouTube, it's the funniest fucking thing all of a sudden they go, well let's introduce the transgendered uh, athlete and it's the Macho Man Randy Savage so he comes out and he's like, oh yeah, I'm not here to talk about my transformation I'm here to dominate and it just shows him walking through all the events beating the shit out of women fucking throwing tires across the fucking way just completely dominating this fucking thing and it makes the point perfectly I just wanted to say that. I just fucking giggled about. But, um, so yeah, so there was that, and then, uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians are fighting again, which, you know, there are some things that I just, I, I, I just can't forgive. You know what I mean? There, there are, there are certain events in certain, in in history that galvanize people against one another. You know, for example, um, you know, when Pearl Harbor happened, there's a generation of people who, would look at, you know, somebody and go, you know what, fuck you, to the entire, you know, the Japanese army, the Japanese people, whatever. I'm kind of that way with the Palestinians, and I'll tell you why. On September 11th, the Palestinians were shown and videotaped, and it's on YouTube, and you can go search for it, do a search for Palestinians Celebrate 9-11, and it's called Celebrations at the Damascus Gate, and it shows Palestinians Whooping and hollering, just celebrating the 9 11 attacks the day it happened. And I remember them showing it on TV. I remember seeing it on this video. I remember Yasser Arafat, who was the PLO, which is Palestinian Liberation Organization. He was absolutely like mortified, like, oh my God, no, 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 you can't celebrate this. What the fuck are you doing? Because people forget the world really was terrified of what our reaction was going to be there were serious people saying we should nuke whoever the fuck it was and just walk through everybody. And so the Palestinians were like, Oh my fucking God, the leadership or the ordinary people were like, nah, you know, fuck it. You know, let's celebrate. Yay. God is great. Blah, blah, blah. Standard, you know, bullshit. Well, that galvanized me against them. And so with the Israelis and the Palestinians fighting right now, my first thought was good. Fuck them. You know, you guys, are are dealing with a people that you know they elected Hamas as their fucking government imagine for a minute if America had decided that they were going to um elect let's say some horrible kind of organization you know the KKK the proud boys whoever the fuck you wanna pick right some horrible you know kind of organization they said you know what you guys are in charge of the entire government that's the kind of thing we're talking about here and so when you've go- when you got a group who's in charge of the government who has a history of putting bombs on city buses and restaurants and faking things because the battle of Janin was, was something that they faked they came in they were like oh my god look it's what the Israelis did these horrible fucking people blah 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 you know I don't know you know it's just it's just one of those things that I look at and I'm like you know what fuck these people you know, they celebrated the 9-11 tax that fucking day. So, fuck them. Absolutely, positively, fuck them. I have no problem if the Israelis decide, you know what, we're just going to wipe them off the fucking face of the earth and we're going to be done with it. We're sick and tired of their bullshit. We're tired of all this other stuff that they've been pulling. We're done. And that's they have a history of doing that shit. They have a history, Hamas, of saying, "Hey, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight," and then they lob a bunch of rockets in there, and all of a sudden the Israelis come in, kick the shit out of them, and then they run out of rockets, and they go, "Hey, we'll calm down, calm down, calm down. Let's just let's just call a truce." And all they're doing is rearming. So you know what? Fuck them, wipe them out. And that's the thing that people don't understand when it comes to war. When it comes to war, you don't fight back even for even. If you find yourself in a fair fight, then your tactics suck. If somebody comes out and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lob a rocket your way. You're not going to sit there and go, well, you know, I'll lob one rocket and be done with it. No, you're going to wipe them out of the fucking face of the earth. That's what we did in, in every major war we've had. <coughs> Excuse me. In every major war we've had where it was a definitive uh, victory. We'll take World War II. We stomp the ever-living, fuck out of the Germans. Now, to be fair, wasn't just us. It was the British, it was the Canadians, it was the Russians, it was everybody, right? This is the motherload of fucking kickings, right? But, you didn't see us going, well, you know, we kicked them out of Poland, we kicked them out of Czechoslovakia, we kicked them out of France, alright, that's good enough. No, we came all the way up to Hitler's fucking front doorstep, and we're like, alright, we're killing everybody, we're capturing everybody, and we're calling it a day. And people seem to forget that's how you run a war. A perfect person in modern times is um, uh, what the fuck was his name Um, Mad Dog Mattis Um, he was a uh, marine general and he was a secretary of uh, of, uh, the department of uh, defense, secretary of uh, defense I think for us uh, back in Trump days a couple years ago and he wiped out ISIS, absolutely wiped them out. And the reason why was because Obama and Biden, who's current president, that prick, they're the notion like, well, you know, we'll just contain them. We'll just go ahead and push them out of you know places that they don't need to be in, and you know, kind of keep them in this little area. And then they were flaring up. They were kidnapping people. They were beheading people. They were doing all this shit. They were taking over cities, blah 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 blah. And you know. Our guy, uh, Mathis, and I might be pronouncing his name wrong, you know. And so, if I, if I am, you know, forgive me, Mattis. There we go. So, his name is uh, Jim Mattis. He was Secretary of Defense. So, he decided when he was put in charge of of uh, you know getting you know confronting ISIS, he he famously said, "I'm not going." to, To nation build, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to have a policy of annihilation. And he did. And you know, so we don't hear from ISIS anymore. There might be a little pocket here and there, something like that, but nothing like we've seen before. Because that's how you conduct a war. You stomp the ever living shit out of people and you call it a day. This guy had very famous quotes that I completely agree with. I mean, for example, when he was, I think he was in Iraq where he met with some local tribal people and he said, um, I come in peace. I didn't bring artillery with me. Um, I promise you, I, you know, something along the lines of, I promise you um, that, you know, I come in peace. And he says, but if you fuck with me, I will kill you all. And, and I'm like, that's the kind of guy you want running a war for you. You know, this is the kind of guy that got in trouble for saying, you know, hey, sometimes, you encounter people and it's just fun as hell to shoot them and he's he people got all mad they're like oh my god i can't i can't believe a a marine general would say that And i'm like yeah yeah he would totally fucking say that because he's a marine general he knows how to fight a fucking war you know when you have a war you don't sit there and say hey listen i'm gonna go ahead and bring out the six-year-old girls on pink bicycles. No, you're going to bring out the Magdal killers, the Navy SEALs, the fucking Marines and all that kind of shit, and you're going to lay waste to the whole fucking place. And if you don't do that, all you're doing is prolonging a conflict, making the enemy think that they're something that they're not, and then you're prolonging and you're causing unnecessary death on our end. You go in and you wipe it out. And so when I see that, I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. You know, the Israelis and the Palestinians going at it again? I'm kind of like, you know what? End this shit. This shit will never fucking go away. It won't. Because they've been fighting for years. Until you say, we are going to have a a policy of annihilation for Hamas. right? Every Hamas leader, every Hamas militant we find, we're going to completely wipe them out. Ordinary Palestinians who've done nothing wrong, fine. But the bottom fucking line is, they all gotta go. And until you do that, this shit is gonna continue and continue and continue. And that's the one thing that I don't think people understand. The Israelis are one of the last people you wanna fuck with. And Amos just decides, well, you know what, we're gonna go ahead and fuck with them anyway and just kinda see, you know, what happens. So I was like, oh my God. So, yeah. Anyway, I, uh, also, got, uh, uh, was gonna have a guest on tonight, but, uh, he was out helping his dad. And so, of course, you know, dad's come first, you know. Although I did see something pretty fun. He has, uh, he sent me a picture of him helping his dad clean the garage. And I saw it on there and I'm like, hey, hey, he's got old school Mountain Dew on there. And, uh, that's the one thing I do miss about a lot of the, the old school shit that we used to have, you know. We used to have sodas that had, like, real sugar in them. We used to have, you know, the, uh, you know bicycles. You know you you buy a bike, and you know if you were wearing a helmet, you were kind of seen as the weird kid. You know you were seeing. Uh, you know we, we were a lot, lot more independent. Holy shit, were we independent? I mean, to give you an idea. There was one time I was 12 years old. I got on a bicycle because I wanted to buy a Britney Fox tape. It's a hair metal band. They were like a low grade. No, I don't say low grade. They were nice enough people, but they were they were not popular hair metal band back in the mid 80s and they had, a, they had a tape that came out. And I rode on my bicycle when I was 12 years old from Vancouver, Washington, to Portland, Oregon, and the only way to do that is to go on the goddamn freeway. So I was riding on my bicycle down the freeway along the, uh, along, you know, on the shoulder of the road, went up and over the I-5 bridge, and got over to Tower Records, and those fuckers aren't even business anymore, and bought the tape rode home took me several hours because it was probably a good 15 miles or so something like that and you know just did it and nobody thought anything of it and if you had somebody today where you said hey listen we're gonna travel from here to here um, people think you lost your fucking mind to be like what do you mean you you allowed your uh, you allowed your 12 year old to ride that fucking far you know and it's just, it's just the way it was so it's like I don't think people understand the vast difference between what's going on here and, and you know in terms of, of independence and what's going on elsewhere so in fact here I'm looking at an exact thing here so the I-5 14 or excuse me I take that back it wasn't 15 miles it was 8.5 miles but I still had to go down Lisa Road to Highway 14 to I-5 over to Janssen Beach. And you guys aren't going to get any of this stuff unless you're local, which I do have some local users, and then ride back. So I'm hitting two freeways to, get, to go buy this stupid tape. And I bought it, and I loved it, and it was one of those fun things. Um, I was actually really into hair metal. I liked hair metal. In fact, to this day, I kind of still like hair metal. Um, there's a... Uh, um, a thing on, uh, there's a channel called uh, Hair Nation on SiriusXM that I listen to and I love it, and it shows or, you know, it listens to a bunch of people who are, you know, old school hair metal so you're talking like Poison and Motley Crew and, uh, you know, Slaughter and, you know, the hair metal bands you know, the Sunset Strip back in the 80s, that kind of thing, and a lot of it was just, you know, good times, stupid shit you know, nothing. there was no depth to it or anything like that, you know, you had guys in fucking spandex looking stupid or You know very very effeminate you know so you're kind of like all right buddy that's the look you're going for you know but yeah absolutely love hair metal music you know in fact that's one thing i um you know when i when i talk about the musical taste that i have um i really didn't have much um in terms of like a, a genre that i liked all the way until all the way up until i would say probably mid 80s. Um, I had a friend in junior high school so I was about 12, 13 something like that and this guy who was one of my friends um, his dad bought him a CD player. now back in the mid to late 80s a CD player was something like oh my god this was you know this was spaceship technology and he got an allowance where it allowed him to buy two CDs per week which is about 40 bucks then, you know, I think it was like $15, 20 a disc, and he was really into uh, hair metal and a little bit of heavy metal, and so we started listening to it, and I just started, you know, kind of getting into the music, you know, and really started enjoying hair metal, and then I started to listen to, uh, I think it was ten ten a.m., where it was like a metal station, and, you know, thrash metal really wasn't popular, um, people forget the Metallica which is the, the first real big band that I got into um, Metallica was never playing on the radio you know their their first three albums nobody played them on the radio you you'd be you, you you may catch one song maybe and that was it but they were selling on arenas and it was really really you know surreal to see a band who got, no MTV time. MTV's for those of you who don't know, MTV used to be the place where you would get your music heard, right? So you'd make a video and then, you know, for your music and then you'd become popular and then you'd sell albums and you'd go on tour. And they had um, no MTV time, they had almost no radio time, and it was completely word of mouth. And so uh, my friend Alex was showing me this uh this band and i'm like oh man you know i kind of dig this and so started getting into more you know heavier metal and things like that because i mean i was listening to all the sorts of shit you know i was listening to whatever kind of poppy kind of songs were out there you know i mean um everybody's got you know i call it everybody's got a gay song that they they love you know you know like me i've got uh, a couple of them like um there's one called uh, invisible touch by genesis and everybody's sitting there listening going fag okay, fine, whatever, I'll take that, right, but, you know, for me, I always started liking, you know, the heavy metal songs, and, you know, things like that, and, uh, you know, but still was mainly into into hair metal at the time, you know, kind of just started liking those kind of genres, and Alex called me up one day and said, hey, man, I've got tickets uh, to go see Bon Jovi and Cinderella, (laughs) you want to go, and I'm like, Fuck yeah, I want to go. So I am 13 years old. So this is June 30th, 1987. And I remember it because Alex's dad was a maitre d' at a very high-end restaurant. And he had a Buick. I think it was a Buick or Cadillac. One of those two. An old lady car, right? And he had a touch screen for, his, um, for the controls in the car. For like, you know, radio and heat and all that kind of shit. And I was just fascinated by this fucking thing, and I'm looking at it going, holy shit, this is fucking rocket science, right, so anyway, um, Alex says, hey, man, you know, my dad said that we can eat at his restaurant as long as we're good, and then we can go to the fucking, the concert, cool, man, let's go, so we go to the fucking restaurant, and it's clear as day we don't belong, I mean, we're we're fucking 13-year-old boys, we're just doing dumb 13-year-old boy shit, right, we're telling fart jokes, and playing paper football, and shit like that, and you know, we were at this hoity toity place. And, and uh, so we eat, and then we go to Bon Jovi and Cinderella. And we had the fucking nose-bleediest of seats. Could not, I, I think we were probably maybe fourth or fifth row from the absolute back of the fucking uh, 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 Coliseum that we were at. <coughs> and so, saw it, loved it. Um, because this is 1987, and uh, Bon Jovi had a massive hit with You Give Love a Bad Name, right? And Cinderella I liked because they had a bunch of songs that I liked, too. And, in fact, that was one of the albums that I bought. I bought that one, and then I bought uh, Long Cold Winter when that came out. It's got a great song. It's called If You Don't Like It, I Don't Care. I love that song. But um, So, anyways, we go to the concert, and there's you know girls and there's metal music and people are drinking and i'm like man this is the greatest fucking thing ever and we um i look and this girl is sitting on the shoulders of her boyfriend and she pulled her shirt up and i'm sitting there just stunned 13 years old i'm like free titties (laughs) free titties (laughs) because back then the internet didn't exist You know, you, you know, and even if you could get onto the internet, like the precursor back in the eighties, you know, there was no like just free porn sites or anything like that. You know, if you wanted to see a naked girl, you either had to get a real naked girl or find somebody's dad's playboy collection or something dumb like that. So when I saw titties just wild and out in the open, I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking great. So, (coughs) excuse me. So we go to the, the concert, having a grand old time, and then uh, we leave. And as we're leaving, I mean, my throat is just hoarse. I can't, I, I'm done screaming, you know, I'm just having a great time. And Alex's dad picks us up in his little Buick or whatever the fuck it was, and we're watching it. And it's getting to be close to midnight and I look at this thing and I go oh man this thing is wonderful it's this that and the other and Alex turns because he's sitting in the front seat and I'm sitting in the back seat he turns and he says watch this he says I'm going to turn and then it's going to turn and as he turned back it flipped from June 30th um, to July 1st and that's why I remember the date and he went oh damn it I missed it and we were all just kind of giggling just doing dumb kid shit you know and that was my first concert that I went to that I you know was enjoying and wanted to go you know not like this you know oh you went to like a you know a recital or some bullshit like that you just did not want to fucking be there but this was something that i wanted to be at wanted to have fun with you know that kind of thing um and it kind of you know got me more hooked into you know some of the harder music not necessarily saying that you know bon jovi and cinderella are hard music but harder than like genesis or something like that and then fast forward got to see acdc on their i think it was their ball breaker tour um and acdc far and away these guys put on a tremendous show in fact one of the things that i plan on doing is um when the pandemic finally finally subsides and it's just kind of a memory um if acdc does go on tour i'd be hard pressed to think that this wouldn't be their their final tour and so if that's the case i'm going Don't care what the cost is. Don't care where it is. I'm going to go, and I'm going to get really, really drunk and probably really, really high, and I'm going to have a grand old time. Um, I wanted to go. There was last year before the pandemic hit. um, It was Poison, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Joan Jett, and they announced a tour, and I'm like, fuck yeah, man, let's do that, right? And so, (coughs) excuse me i uh i looked at it and i'm like man this is fucking great i would you know these are bands that i liked you know and having a great time let's let's fucking do it right and i go online and i see well they're not coming to portland oregon so i'm like well, fuck well they're not coming to portland oregon well fuck all right well you know maybe i'll go up to seattle right Where, where are they going right so they are going to seattle great let me go ahead and try it right you know and they wanted 160 bucks a ticket for the fucking nosebleeds, and I'm like, okay, that seems a little steep, I'm Like, but, you know, I'm making a good living, I, you know, I, I, I'm, this may be the last time I ever see these bands, let's go ahead and, you know, see what floor seats are gonna run, because the floor seats are like 500 bucks, yeah, all right, I'll pay it, right, they wanted $2,000 for these fucking tickets, and I'm like, you are out of your goddamn mind, there's no fucking way I'm gonna pay that much money to see these bands, no way in hell, in fact i give you a good example i'm a big fan of stand-up comedy i'm a big fan of music i'm a big fan of just shows in general i paid 80 bucks per person to see jim norton uh, who's a stand-up comic and he's absolutely hilarious dark 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 motherfucker pervert to the gills but very funny man i paid 80 bucks for me and a family member To go and see him at a fairly small venue. Probably think it was like 1,000, 2,000 people. But I got the meet and greet. I got a selfie with him. Super nice guy. You know, was happy to sign posters and any other stupid horse shit thing I I put in front of him. Super nice, right? For 80 bucks? Yeah, absolutely. For $2,000, I better be able to meet Joan Jett and feel up her tits. Come on, man. $2,000 for a fucking ticket for that shit? Come on, you know? What the fuck? are you doing you know so (coughs) sorry about that so i just i don't know i'm just i don't mind you guys making money but fuck man there there is a difference you know it's one thing to say hey you know we need to make a couple of bucks we're gonna put on this super tour all right 500 bucks all right that that seems reasonable right but if you're gonna sit there and tell me that i gotta pay two grand i'm just not gonna fucking pay you know no way acdc I don't, know, I don't think I'd spend $2,000. bucks. i would probably spend 1000 You know, depending. I mean, I... And, and I'd probably take Asshole with me because Asshole is a big, big ACDC fan. And taking him, I think he'd lose his fucking mind. And he's not much of a drinker. He's certainly not much of, of getting high or anything like that. But, you know, I, I'd imagine that if I uh, tossed a couple of uh, beers his way, he'd probably get pretty drunk if, this, if we knew that this was ACDC's last last tour you know um but yeah i mean you know having that kind of fun party attitude um goes a long way you know i mean you remember you know and it really seems to be the music genre that you like seems to be the music that you started listening to right around the time you started getting some pussy right you know you're 14 15 16 years old you, you know you start getting you know hand jobs from your you know you hear eighth grade girlfriend or some shit like that in the back of a dumpster or some shit like that. And you happen to be listening to, I don't know, fucking Sade or some shit like that, you know, all of a sudden that's the kind of music you like, you know. Personally, you know, I wasn't, you know, right when I started really enjoying music, I was about 13 or 14, so I really wasn't too terribly interested in girls. I mean, I still was, you know, and I'd see if I could finger a girl or something like that, you know, and then smell it on the way home. <laughs> smell my finger. <laughs> Oh, uh, funny side note. So, uh, when I was 15, 16, somewhere in there, um, I used to hang out with a group of girls. And me and my friends used to hang out with them, too. And we were all, you know, probably about 8 or 10 of us. And we would all, like, break up and then hook up with a different girl and break up and hook up with a different girl or whatever. And I remember um, I was 16, 15 or 16, and I was... With this girl, she was the older girl of the group and she was 17. And she was a heavy smoker, and I'm not a smoker, and I just, ugh, I, I can't stand it. So I rode my Huffy, <laughs> my Huffy 10 speed, over to her cousin's house. She happened to be there, and we go off to the side, and I'm French kissing her, and I'm fingering her, and having a grand old time. And, you know, eventually, time to go home comes, and I'm riding my bike home, and I got this... I started thinking about kissing her and I got like this little bit of aftertaste of uh, of her uh, cigarette breath and it's just fucking horrid. Horrid, right? And I'm like, oh boy. And I went to kind of duck my head like, oh, uh, uh, you know? And I caught a whiff of her pussy on my hand. And I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> had to stop the bike and throw up on the side of the fucking road. <laughs> good times, good times. But, uh years later, this is probably about eight, ten years ago, something like that. Um, when I was on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I've been on Facebook probably 10 years. And, uh, her, uh, her cousin who I used to date as well, um, hit me up. Oh my God. I haven't seen you in years. How you been? Oh, Hey man, what's going on? You know? And so I'm looking and boy, she had gained a bunch of weight, which, fine, we all gain weight, right, we all get fatter as we get older, fine, whatever, right, but this 17-year-old girl, holy shit, body hasn't changed, she's actually in pretty decent shape, but she looked rough, rough, basically, she had been smoking for the past 30 years and decided to get into meth, I'm like, oh, fuck, what the fuck, you know, people in small towns do that, really, it's really really common to just smoke and drink and get into meth and just you know fuck up your lives and i'm like what the fuck are you doing you know you gotta get the fuck out of this little ass town you know when i dated the girl over in uh, in south bend you know she told me flat out you know there's a lot of people and there's a lot of meth in this town which i'm kind of like why you know if your guys are you, you can see everything around you can see that it's a shithole why the fuck are you doing something that keeps you in this shithole don't let the shit, you know, keep you in the shithole. You know, fucking, you know, work your ass off. You know, live in your piece of shit trailer for a little while. Save up your money. Get the fuck out. Ah, uh, the, the aggravation of so many people who are more than happy to do the bare minimum who want to coast through life, who want to absolutely just kind of go, poor me, poor me, poor me, and they do nothing about it. I, They're such useless people in my life, you know, in my eyes. It's just figure your shit out you know everybody gets their teeth kicked in everybody trips everybody fails everybody has all these things the successful people are the people who pick themselves up dust themselves off and learn from whatever the fuck made them fail and if you can't do that what the fuck are you doing you're in america if you can't get your shit together and make a life for yourself in this country where you have literally every opportunity to get on your feet where the fuck do you expect to go and make a life for yourself you know I've seen just too many people who just—they kind of go, well, you know, it's—it's, it's, you know, rich people's fault, it's the government's fault, it's white people's fault, it's black people's fault, it's always somebody else's fault, but their own. And I—I I tell people, and I'm trying to instill this in my boy, the one person who's most responsible for my lot in life is me. And the minute that you come to that conclusion yourself, the better off you're going to be because you're going to start making good decisions, you're going to start saying, okay, I need to save my money, I need to do this, and it's perfectly okay to say, you know what, I need a little bit of help, you know, I need a little bit of advice, I need, you know, this, this, and this, I need something, right, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten my fucking teeth kicked in by just unexpected shit to turn around and go, okay, that was unexpected, that sucked, how are we going to deal with it, okay, we're going to deal with it in X, Y, and Z way, and I always try to think of ways that I can get out of a bad situation and make it win-win if possible especially if it's dealing with other people right so just the, the fucking worthlessness of these people you know it just aggravates me to no end you know like, like the people who want 15 bucks an hour to be fucking burger flippers you know they go well we want a little wage okay well, I understand you want to be able to like live and that's fine but you know do you honestly think that you're going to be able to just get up in the morning, flip burgers for 40 hours a week, and that's it. That's all you got to do in life. You don't have to, like, produce. You don't have to better yourself. You don't have to do anything. Because here's the problem. You raise your... You raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour, guess what happens? The next year, inflation hits. Well, when inflation hits, guess what? If you're still 15 bucks an hour, you've lost money. So, I don't know. I just... Some of these people just aggravate me to no fucking end. You know? But... I did uh, get reunited with an old, 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 uh, old—I don't call him friend, but a restaurant I used to love. There's this local little place called Taco Time. These guys are fucking great. Sorry about that. I had a cough. And so um, Taco Time has these little crisp meat burritos, right? And what they are is, imagine you take a a taco, you know, or a burrito shell, right? You you get like regular, you know, uh, taco meat you roll it up super super tight so it's probably about you know about the size of a half dollar but it's super long then you deep fry it holy shit you toss that in there maybe a little bit of ketchup maybe some mild sauce Whew, man i can eat three four of those motherfuckers and just feel like dog shit later because i'm like oh great. oh boy oh i didn't mean to do that but great great fucking food problem is though is that there's they're so rare around here they used to be fucking everywhere kind of like a&w I don't know if you all know A&W, but A&W, man, they were the fucking shit. They were kind of this diner-ish kind of place. They were real famous for root beer and root beer floats, but they made, like, burgers and onion rings and shit like that, and they were fucking everywhere. And then just lately, it's, you know, a lot of these old-timey restaurants, they just didn't adapt and just kind of died off, you know? Kind of of the same notion that other people are, you know? If you don't adapt to the situation that you're in, eventually you're going to die off. You know, it's one of the reasons why I'm looking at buying that comedy club. You know, I'm looking at buying the comedy club because, you know, I'm getting up there in age. You know, I'm an IT. You know, I'm an IT manager by trade. You know, I run IT departments. I'm really, really good at it. But, you know, the market is starting to shift a little bit. I'm kind of getting a little burnt out. I got a new job. The place is great. People are nice the whole nine. But at some point in time, I kind of go, well, yeah, I'm making money, I guess. You know, but I don't want to make, I don't want to kind of, Make money, I want to make real money, right? And so, if I buy another rental, you know, the problem with that is, is that the market is white hot right now. So, buying a house for fifty thousand dollars, putting ten thousand dollars into it, and then selling it for a hundred thousand dollars just isn't going to happen, you know. So, I'm looking at it going, okay, how can I make more money, you know, real money? And there's a couple of there's two lines of thinking there's the numbers that this that the owner gave me, and there's the uh, the numbers that I have in my spreadsheet. And if his numbers line up with my numbers, I'll make more from this one comedy club than I make in my current full-time job. And he has three more clubs that he's looking to sell, and those three clubs will probably add guess probably an equal amount to my existing job. Right, So basically, the four clubs will be twice the income that my current job has. And what's interesting and slash scary, and I was talking to my family member about this, was he owns his own business, and he doesn't have a full-time job. And he's been doing it that way for years. And we're talking about, hey, you know, when you go from having a full-time job to you're your own boss... You know, you get nervous. You get a little scared. You're like, mm, am I making the right decision? And, you know, when I got a lady and I got a boy to pay for, my first natural inclination is like, oh, boy, do I, is that the move I want to make? I, I don't know. But, you know, if you do your homework, if you pay attention, you know, the math doesn't lie. You know, obviously you're going to have to hire quality people. You're going to, you know, get dinged for dumb shit. You're doing a bunch of things that are going on. But if you... If you play it out right, in theory, you don't have to, you don't have to work anymore. You know, I'll tell you a phrase that that has worked well for me. Nobody has ever gotten rich working for somebody else, just the way it is. Um, you know, then you see people who say, "Well, you know, we should share the wealth. We should this, that, and the other." They're like, no, nah, 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 fuck that. I'm the one. And, and this, is, this is why I get aggravated when people say they want more, 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 right? I'm the one that took the risk. I'm the one that educated myself. I'm the one that went to the bank and said, can you loan me money? I'm the one that jumped through all the hoops. I'm the one that paid the taxes for business licenses, liquor licenses, t- t- ordinary taxes on profit, blah, 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 blah. I'm the one who put up the money. I'm the one that did all these things. So now, if you want them, if you want to share the profits, fuck you, not happening. If I'm the one that's taking all the risk, I'm taking all the reward. And what does that mean? That means that I will no longer have to have a full-time job. And that day may come. That day may come fairly quickly, actually, if the numbers are correct. His pro forma numbers are roughly, uh, even after uh, having a mortgage on the thing, his pro forma numbers are um, the same as my job and I'm kind of looking at this going I could in theory never have to work again within three months but that's not good enough for me You know, I don't want to be in that position I want to be in the position of I'm making so much money that quitting is is not as difficult of a, of a decision you know what I mean so if I'm pulling in $10,000 a month great but I already pull in ten thousand dollars a month for my job. So if I say, well if I'm pulling in twenty thousand, the decision becomes a little easier. Say if I'm pulling in thirty thousand dollars a month. Now we're talking. Now we're saying, okay, we're pulling in enough money where if I have a bad month, it's still as good as my previous full time job. And, you know, to kind of help alleviate some of the things, one of the things that I was thinking was, Well, what happens if I just pay off my house? You know, if I'm pulling in $30,000 a month from this place, from all the places, honestly, then, you know, what's preventing me from saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, um, pay off my house. And I can pay off my house inside of a year if I'm pulling in $30,000 a month. So now all of a sudden you don't own a mortgage, so you're saving that much more money. Maybe you pay off the mortgage on the business. Okay, great. Well, then that means that you don't have a mortgage on that either. So now you're really making money. So now instead of $30,000 a month just by paying down certain debts, now you're making, say, $40,000 a month. you have any idea? Think, think for yourself, you know, for your, pers- for your personal situation. You're pulling in $30,000 a month. You're pulling in $40,000 a month. What would you do? Think long and hard about that. What would you do? What would you do for the rest of your life? Would you hold on to your full-time job for the time being? Cause I'm in IT, and when I'm in IT, a couple of things are true. If I leave and I say, "Well, you know, it's been great, but I gotta go," well, I the IT world continues on. So that means that you know I'm in a position where you know new technologies are coming out, new things are are being developed, the whole nine, and I'm not being exposed to any of that. So I gotta be real, real careful when it comes to that final decision of. I'm going to leave, you know, and part of me, you know, kind of wants to do a couple of things, honestly, you know, one, I want to run my comedy clubs, two, I want to uh, put away some money for my boy to go to college, three, I'd like to pay off my house if possible. Uh, Four, I was debating on just getting a new house, but, you know, that's neither here nor there, Um, but also, you know, what kind of fun things are you going to want to do? You know, I mean, if you don't have to have a full-time job, think, think long and hard about this for your particular situation. You don't have a mortgage, you got an income coming in, you don't need a full-time job. What are you doing all day long? You know, are you fucking around playing video games? You know, which I guarantee you I would do for the first little bit. Um, are you catching a flight over to Hawaii to kind of fuck around for the weekend? Are you going down to Vegas with your boys? Are you going over to Frankfurt, Germany to hit the brothels? You know, what are you doing? You know? You know, if you want that kind of life, it can happen for you in this country. You know, I'm sure there's other countries that allow you to do that too, but I just I have never seen such a diverse level of people from all walks of life, from every starting point, be able to pull themselves into success. I have seen people who are absolutely barely speaking English. They've made a life for themselves. I've seen people who have come from war-torn countries made a life for themselves. I've seen people who started from nothing. That's me. I started from absolutely nothing. Everything I owned fit in one quarter of a bed of a pickup truck in 1993. And I've told that story before. But having that thought of, what am I going to do, really kind of skew things for you. You know, for me... I think one of the first things I would end up doing is I would probably start hitting the gym more. To be fair, I hit the gym nightly anyway, but going to the gym for, say, two hours instead of a one, Uh, going to the gym during the day when my boy's off at school, Um, you know, having me and my old lady, you know, maybe we go and hit like a cafe and we sit and, you know, visit and, you know, maybe we go fuck in the car somewhere, you know, something like that, you know. Um, But having the the freedom to do that is something that this country gives us and I don't think that people understand the American dream like they think they do and I'll explain it to you in this way the American dream is not work hard and at your job and then you'll become rich, That's, that's bullshit, that's a myth nobody has ever said that what the thing is is what the Excuse me. What the um, what the American dream is is it gives you a blank sheet of paper, and what it basically boils down to is you make your own life. You know, it gives you the freedom to do that. Now, whether that be that you have instant success and you're able to become a millionaire in ten fucking minutes because you invented something cool. Or if you failed at 85 different projects and then you became a success on the 86th. That's what the American dream is. The American dream is to come here and not only have the freedom to build something, but have the freedom to fail at something. And I cannot tell you how many times I have failed at something. I have failed at jobs. I have failed in relationships. I have failed in, you know, business ventures. I have failed across the board. Even this, even this year, I was looking at my, my bottom line with my CPA here yesterday. I went into her office and said, Hey, did I make money this year? You know, cause it just certainly didn't fucking feel like it. And she came back and showed me the number. She's like, yeah, you made money. What are you talking about? Here you go. And I'm like, well, fuck, it didn't fucking feel like it. And she says, why? Why would you say that? I'm like, oh, I just got hit with a million fucking repairs and, you know, things like that. And I says, it just felt like I didn't make any fucking money. And she's like, no, what are you talking about? You made money here. Da, 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 And showed me, yeah, I, indeed I made money Um. And that's, you know, coming from where I came from and coming in and seeing those numbers on that sheet of paper, you know, really kind of made me think, wow, you know, I really am becoming success. And living in America has allowed me to do that, you know. And I plan on slingshotting my boy to do more, you know. When he grows up and he goes to college and he does all his little things, I'm absolutely going to sit him down and give him every opportunity To make a life for himself. Now, I'm not going to handhold him. I'm not going to give him nepotism. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. You know, he's got to earn it. But I'm going to get him a little further along than I did. You know, just kind of, you know, get him going. So, I don't know. This is something that I kind of think about often, you know. And then, of course, I got to thinking about that earlier. Because my old lady, she wanted a pergola in the backyard. And holy fucking shit. The backyard is just... One concrete little slab, you know, right off of the off of the back patio, and then just grass. That's it. And it looks like your stereotypical white trash fucking backyard, right? Because it is. And a couple of years back, she goes, I want a pergola because me and the baby, you know, when we're out there, you know, I like sunlight, and I don't want to burn the baby's skin and blah, blah, blah. Fine. You know, when you, when you got a brand new baby, and you got your wife breathing down your neck saying, I want a pergola, you make it happen. So I find this pre-built pergola fucking thing, it's a piece of shit, whatever, but it works. Well, it's slowly falling apart and blah, blah, blah. Well, the uh, the lady said, you know, I want a new pergola. Because this pergola is admittedly falling apart, piece of shit, white trashy kind of thing. It's up on blocks for all, you know, for Christ's sake. Just because of the way that the slab is and the size of it and blah, blah, blah. So she goes, I want a pergola. And I'm like, oh boy, all right, you want a fucking pergola, blah. But I wanted a comedy club, and gentlemen, get, get, here's here's where you you, uh, you this is worth your mission price right here. Write this down. If you want something, you gotta give your old lady something too. Doesn't matter what the fuck it is. Give her something too. If she's if you want, say you want a new gun. Okay, cool. Hey baby, you know what? I worked a little bit overtime, saved up about five hundred bucks. Here's five hundred dollars. Do whatever the fuck you want to do, right? She's going to light up, hey, this is great, this is wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, hey, by the way, I want to buy a new gun. She goes, well, all right, fine, because she's getting something out of the deal, right? I'm the same way. She wanted a pergola. She wanted this nice, it's a 12-foot by 24-foot, it's fucking massive, it's $2,000. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's fucking $2,000. But you know what, she wants it, fine. She wanted a $2,000 pergola, I wanted a, you know... (laughs) Several, several, several hundred thousand dollar comedy club, fine, whatever. (laughs) So, I ended up getting it for her. Well, the one she bought was two thousand dollars, and then in it, it said, Oh, yeah, by the way, you need to buy some wood, you know, four by fours and two by sixes, and all that kind of shit for some of the underlying structure. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it. And I knew the lumber prices were expensive. But I bought a bunch of 4x4s, and I bought a bunch of fucking 2x6s and shit like that. $700 fucking dollars in goddamn lumber. And I'm looking at this going, a year ago, this would have been 3 350 maybe. What the fuck is going on with the lumber prices? But, fine, whatever. But it was one of those days where, because I borrowed a rig from Asshole, and I got uh, a trailer, and i just I, I was super hot outside i didn't want to load up all this lumber because you know even just running around through home depot this thing is fucking heavy as shit so as they're ringing me up this poor girl and go hey do you have anybody any co-workers that uh you don't like and she goes why i said well you know i need help uh loading this up you know yeah i'm capable of doing i just don't want to fucking do it and she goes oh yeah yeah, no problem so she, she gets two of these guys and these guys uh Come out and they're super excited. Hey, sir, how can I help you? I'm like, hey, listen, you see all this woods? Got to go on that trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm like, here's, you know, ratchet straps, blah, blah, blah. Cool, all right, cool. And these poor guys, they were fucking pouring sweat, pouring sweat, just going out there and rolling up all lumber, you know, because I mean, I had probably thousand pounds of fucking lumber. And so, just to be a nice guy, say, hey, guys, you know, let me go ahead and buy you a drink, right? We'll go back inside, you know, pick you up a Coke, whatever, you know, have a good time oh, sir, we can't take tips, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't play by fucking rules, man. Just, you know, there are just some rules that I just choose to fucking ignore. And they go, well, we can't. You know, the boss is always around, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I may have to come back later today. If I come back later and I see you guys, I'll go ahead and I'll just buy a Coke and just quietly shove it your way, you know. Like, all right, cool. You know, because that's the other thing that, uh, (coughs) excuse me, that people don't seem to understand. There are some rules that you don't have to follow. You know, you don't have to say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and follow every single rule. You can break a rule. You know, you can break a rule. You can bend a rule. You know, it doesn't matter. It's your own personal choice in whatever rules you want to follow. Some rules, if you break them, yeah, there's serious consequences. But the rules that I don't choose to follow, you know, they're, they're, the consequences aren't that that big of a deal. Like for me, I use a carpool lane all the fucking time. I figured out how what the... Uh, police's pattern was in monitoring that that particular uh, carpool lane and i just follow that pattern make sure that i'm not in it when they're there and people just don't get it they just sit there and they go oh my god you know i can't believe you use the carpool lane and blah blah Well, let me explain to you the carpool lane right if right now going from work to home using the carpool lane takes me about 45 minutes one way uh, in traffic you know standard afternoon traffic right if I were to play by the rules, and I timed it once, if I were to play by the rules and get in the non carpool lane, it would take me two fucking hours to get home. All right, so let's do some basic math on that, right? So you're talking, it's an hour and 15 minutes one way, all right? Now, in the morning, there's no carpool lanes, but you get what I'm saying, right? So you're saving roughly six hours a week, right? That's six hours a week that I'm home earlier. That's six hours a week that, I, that, that I'm going to be able to spend with my family, sit and relax, do whatever it is I want to do, right? So, I have been caught three times in a year, right? And this is years ago. I haven't gotten a carpooling ticket in easily 10, 12 years. But there was one particular year I got caught three times. And it was each time it was because I... Broke my own rules and I didn't follow the pattern that the police do. So, got in front of a judge, and this judge um, says, Sir, I see uh, you've had car, um, they got hit with the carpool lane. You know, uh, ticket, what happened? And this cop that gave me the ticket, he was like 6'3 and, you know, perfect hair and, you know, jawline, the whole nine. I says, Well, sir, I was in, uh, in uh, the carpool lane minding my own business and fucking captain america over here wants to enforce the law what a dick right so he pulls me over and he's like hey i pulled you over for this and uh i'm like he goes you're in the carpooling you're not supposed to be i'm like yeah yeah i know and he goes so why are you in there and i go because i want to be and everybody's laughing having a great time so the judge says well you know why you know why are you here if you're going to be here and uh you know you admit this I says well you know I just want to know if you'll reduce my ticket and he goes okay sure you know it was like a $250 ticket he dropped it down like 220 or whatever and he goes to do a thing and he says sir you know I, I seem to uh, notice that you you got three tickets and I go yeah and he says you gotta stay out of the carpool lane I says well I'm gonna disagree with you there and he goes excuse me and I go yeah I'm gonna disagree with you there and I'll tell you why I says I got three tickets $700 total you know 750 ish dollars right He goes, yeah. I said, so $750, right? There are 240 um, uh, working days in a year, right? He goes, yeah. I said, so you're talking like three bucks a day, right? He goes, yeah. I go, so three bucks a day. So if you told me, hey, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just give you a sticker, right? You pay 60 bucks a month and you just get the sticker, right? And then you can use a carpool lane all day, every day, right? I says, I'd pay that. I says, just to save myself some money. And he goes, huh? I didn't think of it that way. I says, and those are just the times you caught me. I said, so the longer it goes that you don't catch me, the cheaper it becomes. So if I get two tickets in a in a day, then it drops to two dollars. If I get one ticket, then it drops to a dollar, roughly. So now instead of it being sixty bucks a month, it's thirty bucks a month, twenty bucks a month, whatever the fuck it is. I says, pretty soon, if I start following my own patterns here, you're gonna be in a position where you're not gonna give me tickets at all. And I'm gonna save me a crap ton of money. And the cop says, "Well, you know, we have other, you know, we have other uh, uh, patterns we follow." And I'm like, Here, "Here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. You can say that all day long, but you guys are gonna follow the same patterns you do." And he says, "Okay, what are the patterns?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna tell you the patterns. Come on now, who the fuck do you think I am? I'm not gonna sit there and give away my secrets. But I'll give away the secrets to you guys. So, so here's the secrets." The police in Portland, Oregon, doing the carpool lanes, monitoring. During the winter months, they do not monitor it at all. Now, when I say at all, I mean the carpool lane is from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right? Or 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., right? It starts getting dark right around 4, right? So, as soon as it starts getting dark, they're not out there. Why? Because it's cold, it's dark, and it's raining. And they're not about to have a police officer out there in a position where all of a sudden some motorist doesn't see them, stomps on the brakes, hits a cop, kills the cop, and now all of a sudden, you know, they got people saying, "Hey, wait a minute, why are we doing this when we did it for a $250 ticket? That's ridiculous." So there's that. Then during the summer months, on a Friday, they are absolutely there till 5:30. Uh, they usually start right around 4 o'clock, and they're there till about 5:30. They hang out every single time. They hang out in the exact same spot, just past the Powerball sign in Delta Park, right? And then, on top of that, um, lately, they've been trying to have them, uh, you know, um, go through the carpool lanes themselves. So a police officer will actually be in his car, and he'll just get into the carpool lane and just cruise and go up to the to the end of the carpool lane, then turn around and come back, go to the end of the carpool lane, and then do it again and again and again, in the hopes that he sees somebody, Right? that's all fine and dandy but there's this wonderful little program called Waze you put that uh, application on your phone and it will warn you hey police were spotted up ahead so if a Waze user and there's hundreds of them if a Waze user says hey hey there's a cop coming up here I'm gonna get an alert long before I see the cop right and then I also look through people's windshields so if I duck down a little bit I can see through everybody's windshields in front of me and so I can look you know, 8, 10, 15 carpool or car lengths ahead of me, and I can say, oh, yep, there's a cop, I'm going to go ahead and duck over here to the other lane, right? And there are times where you can take it a step further. There was one time where there was a cop in the non-carpool lane, and I blew past him, absolutely blew past him, and he saw me, and so there were probably 10 or so cars behind me, uh, and what I ended up doing was, I took my foot off the gas, and so all the other cars behind me would bunch up on me and bunch up on the cop as well. So when the cop got over trying to get to me, he had all these cars in his way. In the meantime, I had seen this opening at this, uh, this one spot. So I ducked across two, uh, two, uh, two lanes and I took the, uh, the exit right then and there. And then when I took that exit, I then immediately whipped a U-turn and got right back on the freeway. In the meantime, the cop didn't see that part. He got off of the uh, exit ramp and raced past me and didn't see me. So he's looking for me way up in the middle of nowhere. In the meantime, I'm getting right back on the freeway and continuing on my way. And so when you want to break a rule, you have to be able to, willing to accept the the consequences of that. But you also have to think on your feet. So, you know, if there are rules out there that you don't want to do, don't do them. But just make sure you, you pay attention to it. So... Anyway, it's getting kind of late, so I'm going to go ahead and end that there and have myself a drink and play this new game that I bought. It's a little 2D side-scroll kind of hunt down. It's actually pretty fun. You ought to try it out. So, Anyway, next week uh, we should be back at our normal time, and uh, we'll go from there. Have a good night.